Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the back of the bus session. I can sync it up then. Yeah, that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast, back of the bus sessions. She's already laughing at me. I don't know what I've done. I look like a bit of a wally. I can see myself anyway. This has been a bit of a kerfuffle today. We've been, I had it all set up. It was ready to go. I was like, yep, we're in. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Coming with Chloe. I, was, I wasn't going to give the name away so early on. But <laughs> <laughs> I came in. I was like, right, we're ready. Sit down, sit down. It was boiling hot in this bus, um, as you can probably tell with the old shades and that. Looking summery and ready. It's 27 degrees today. Here we go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it just started clicking and malfunctioning, but I think we're ready. So if in this podcast at any point there are crackles and clicks or anything like that, don't get worried. It'll be all right. Get over yourself, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this guest, she's a musician. She's an absolutely beautiful soul. She's a beautiful, beautiful person. She's got beautiful blue hair. I just keep saying things with <laughs> at the minute <laughs> chloe that rogers to the bus Woo! it's me loads of cows and sheep around at the minute like cheering you in yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my audience <laughs> chloe welcome to the bus thank you it's lovely to be here it's not your first time on this bus is it no i was the first one to do a busking session ever grace the stage can yeah. you like not to fulfil my ego or anything, <laughs> but like, what was that like? Because I've never performed on this stage. I've, you know, got up and hosted, but to... Yes, you have. You did it that time that Motormouth oh, was... Oh, I lied to everybody. Sorry, people. Sorry, <laughs> Nan, Mum and possibly Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> I got some videos of you doing You're it. You're right. I have performed on here, but not done a set. Yeah, not done a set. So it was a bit of spontaneous, wasn't it? It's intimate, isn't it? It's a really small... I've honestly never done anything like it before. <laughs> well, I mean, who has? I, to be fair, I've, I've played the so- I've played guitar on the train before to a load of people that asked me to. They asked you to? it wasn't a gig, yeah. That sounds like a gig to me. I was on my way home from London and I'd had a few Bellies. glasses of wine, yes. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, uh, I had my guitar, and they asked me to play, and I was like, do you know what? All right, I will. <laughs> you <laughs> deserve ready. it, you, you deserve it. But then, at the end of the train journey, I found out that they were all t- Tories, so they didn't deserve it, really. Uh, seriously? I'm joking, How did I'm you joking. Know? Oh, <laughs> you had me then. I was like, God damn it. You no, they actually Tories. were Tories, How and I was that? a bit upset, because um, it was around the time of the election, so they got talking about it. But I'm not saying that I hate all Tories. There are some <laughs> nice ones. Not very many, but there are some. <laughs> some can listen to my music. <laughs> yeah. So that feeling, I would like to get onto politics later, actually, because <laughs> I see you put up, I, I always follow your posts and things, and there's always your music, which I love, but there's a, a political post or a meme come up, and I'm like, I like that you're into that. <laughs> I like that that's yeah. a side of you. And I think we can delve into that. But yeah. playing to um, an audience of, 20 people would you say uh, really intimate like silent every time you stop singing and the cheering's finished i know i've, I've not <laughs> the only time i've had that before was when i played at a town hall once and there was a load of grandmas and grandpas <laughs> in the audience and they were all sat down and silent but it was still a lot cooler here and then when i played that um gorillas cover and people were bobbing their heads oh it was actually God. wobbling the bus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, it was a beautiful moment though because you had everybody in on it. I know there were friends as well. We know quite a lot of people on that bus, but it really was more than that. It was a moment that just, it was like souls were just, everyone silent and there was something being created. And I know I maybe like fantasised that a little bit, but... No, I don't think you have at all. <laughs> it was lovely. It was great. And Joey Collins came and did a bus um, busking session and a podcast. And he spoke about it helped change his set a little bit. So in between, he used to like sort of quickly shout on a song, say, right, I'm going to perform this now, do it. But in that busking session, he got to actually talk through his why he did the lyrics the way he did, why he did the song that way. And he said he's intertwined that in his sessions now. He tries to like talk about the song and preamble a little bit more. Oh, that's good. I still didn't really do that. I think I was just nervous. Like <laughs> I hadn't seen, I was the first one to do it. I hadn't seen anyone else do it, I guess. So you, you play some 
big shows, really. Like you've been to some. Like I've seen that one where you were at the cathedral. In oh London. yeah, in Looked that church incredible. building. That was cool. That was with my band as well. How many would you say were there? Hmm. Still not loads of people. Maybe like fifty. That's enough, isn't it? Do you yeah. still get nerves? Like. Does yeah, I was really time? nervous that time because my mum had came and um, it was the first time she'd been to one in a while and it was the first time my family was seeing me play with a band. <laughs> so I was really nervous on that day. I've performed once to my parents. Like, actually, my dad's never seen me perform yet. He's not been to really? a, a gig or anything. But my mum came with my auntie um, to see me perform at... The Alley Cafe in Nottingham. This is about six years ago yeah. uh, when I was pretty much starting up and she got pissed as a fart. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd gone up to talk to her after and I was like, what was that like? She's like, yeah, it's all just great, isn't it? And I was just like, oh, you didn't really watch me, did you? I know. <laughs> but again, <laughs> like, I don't go and watch her do horse riding or anything like that. So I've, I've actually just that come to mind. I've been to see her horse ride and I told her she was great. Well, <laughs> Mum. fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so during this time, like musicians, all of you, I was going to quote myself in that bracket because I don't perform so much anymore and go out and look for it in gigs. But it's been a strange time for everybody. And, yeah. you know, all you, you must have had so many festivals, gigs, things lined up. Yeah. Are you heartbroken? And <laughs> I am. I was really looking forward to festival season mm. this year, which is a shame. I'm more upset because um, I had my first releases like lined up to release, but there was a bit more work we had to do mm. um, that I always go down to London to record. And also, we're meant to have been gathering PR stuff, like doing photo shoots and everything. And because we haven't been able to do any of that, it's all had to be delayed and I haven't released anything yet. It was meant to be my debut release. Wow. It's like it feels like it's taken me years and I was nearly there. It was meant <laughs> to be out on the 1st of June the and now it's going to take even longer. Together. It was so close but so far. It was like this uh, video I saw yesterday. My mate uh, tagged me and we always send each other stupid videos. But uh, this woman um, was doing this jigsaw puzzle and I think it was like 20,000 pieces and she was so excited about it. <laughs> this is a metaphor for that. <laughs> uh, her husband was like, yeah, let me get you a video just as you put the last piece in. And then she goes to do it. He got, he went and pushed it all off the table. <laughs> I know. And then ran off. And he oh, runs down, locks lot. himself in the bathroom. And you just hear her go, you better watch out for your fucking fishing rods. But yeah, I suppose that's how it feels for you then. You, oh you, my you God, had the last yeah. piece of the jigsaw to put in and then it just got crumbled. Exactly. They have sent me a microphone so that we can um, finish what we've done. Oh, I'm so lucky. Who does that? Who gets That's sent really a microphone? Sweet. I know. Uh, what, do you know what micro? Like, is it a road proper badass microphone to record um, on? It's. I think it's Nuno or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. It's just I a little USB one that I can plug into. That's me. wicked. So, and that's to actually get like a final draft vocal through, or they use that for you to do drafts and stuff. Um, it's just for. It's the song I sent you. You know, Adelphian Lullaby. Mm. There's a bit at the end where there's no singing over, and I just needed to do a little outro that I hadn't written yet for that. It's for that. Like the rest of the song's already done. It's just like three lines at the end. And mm. have you got like for when we start going back into gigging and do all these things? Are you ready for it? Have you got steps in place? You just got signed this. Is it this year you got signed? I signed a publishing deal this year. I already had a record deal from last year or the year before i don't know but yeah it is that took a lot of pressure off you as an artist a solo artist to find all these gigs yourself are they doing it all for you now and is it helped out a massive, massive um deal? not really well it it's helpful because it means i'm gigging in london now mm. as well and with a band wow. but i still f have to get all my paid gigs and my knots gigs myself and everything like the get the paid gigs in london i don't get any of the money for yet because my the people who play with me and my band are session musicians mm. and they're quite mm. expensive. <laughs> so we haven't yet done a gig that's covered the cost of the musicians yet. So at the minute, it's still costing my label money every time I do a gig down But there. have they all been like really worthwhile gigs? So even though you're not getting financial status back, are you getting quite a lot of people go, oh, there's that Chloe Rogers playing? Yeah, most of them have been. A few of them have just been little pub gigs. That, But we need to do gigs like that to practice together as yeah. well because... 
we haven't been doing it together for that long. How is it all coming together, the the band? It's good. I'm really excited for um, when we gig again as well because I was speaking to my producer and um, he said that we can use backing tracks now for the mm. parts of the songs. Because all it is is me on the guitar, uh, a double bassist and my drummer. And there's a load of other parts in the songs as well that can't be played by any of us <laughs> and it always feels like something's missing when we play live so I asked him if we could do that and I thought he was gonna say no because mm. it's not authentic or whatever to use a backing track but he was like that is a great idea you will do that all the time <laughs> from now on <laughs> I've got to tell you this little story um I don't know if I should name the town should I name the town uh, it's where a bit of carnage happened. Go on. Oh dear, it's Belper. <laughs> it was a really funny part of me starting out. Like I've done the poetry thing, and then I was like, you know, what? I want to put on gigs because I like that feeling. You bring people together, you just have a lovely time, all your mates. So I got Lewis down to do a song. Yeah. I'd I'd bought loads of people to this pub in. I'm not going to name the pub though. <laughs> and it was in <laughs> Belper, and I bought poets down. I think there was about at least a hundred and something people all come to this pub in this little, like, big room that they give out for us. But this guy who ran the nights properly had in his head so many ideas of what a musician is. Yeah. So you can't have outspoken poets that speak, like, to left-wing or right-wing. Any Anyway, d just don't speak out about anything. You can't... And which is the point of poetry. Wait, who was this guy? I'm not saying. <laughs> well, he was a guy who put on all these nights oh, in right, Belfast. Okay. So he, and these asked, were the rules for his And night. they asked me to come down and put on this night because I just sort of built a name up for myself in essence, like a small name. But like they were like, oh, you seem to bring people into places because I was doing a couple of nights. And I, they were just going really well. So they asked me to do their establishment but bring my crowd in, which I was really happy with. I was like, yeah, of course, that sounds brill. Obviously, I'm going to pick the musicians. So we got uh, Lewis on, a few outspoken poets that I knew was going to rock the night and do all this. Because I sort of knew his rules, but I was like, I'm not about that. Yeah. And, and again, <laughs> he was like, uh, no backing tracks. You can't have this. Th there was just a massive rule and set list. But I only got that when we arrived. And I was like, oh, my God. Every single person all I brought <laughs> is going to break all, all of these, these rules. And, on it, and it was so funny because... We've done about three acts in, and I'm just looking at him, and his face is like, this isn't what I want. But he was happy because all the people were paying for drinks and making his establishment good. Yeah. So it went about six acts in, and then there was this guy come on. I think it was Jamie Frasavulu, who's this, like, really shouty, left-wing poet, hard nut. Yeah. <laughs> and he just came in, he's like, fuck your Brexit, fuck your duh. And this guy, <laughs> I looked over, and... He didn't want all the backing tracks and all that, and there'd already been all them. And he just shut down the night. He turned off the, the power to everything and was like, everybody get out. All that, hundreds of people. My mum was there for that one. He's my really going to sabotage all the money that he's <laughs> making. <laughs> he just, and he that. kicked us all out. So you've got all these musicians that uh, were like, why, why can't we use a backing track and all that? And we just marched down to my local and stormed their open mic. And it just, it was the, one of my favourite nights I've ever had because I felt like uh, we'd just write it. <laughs> I felt like a punk band. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Bored all these guys. And it was like, I hate, I didn't know these places existed, but when they're like, oh, you're not a musician if you use backing tracks or you use this or you do, I'm like, well, isn't it just nice to create a vibe, just create yeah. an energy for people to dance in, listen to, all that. And that's when we had the busking sessions what I enjoyed. I wanted to create a space where you can do what you want. Yeah. Let's just have people together creating energy. You've definitely created something magical. <laughs> I've been to a few of them since the first one that I played at and every single one it's just been like... <laughs> I was gutted to miss the one that Molly Ralph and Cat Milk oh played. God, Who else was, was on that um, uh Trekkers. Um, Trekker and the Rare Breeds. Oh yeah, oh I've oh seen God. them play as well. They're have cool have you seen are. them live? I have, yeah. I played on... The same night as them, I can't remember where it was. It was at a pub in Knotts. They're cool. All Cause of Because isn't Raph in that band? From yeah, he is. Or No Nero um, as well. No, he's not playing the drums in that. He's a bass, bass player. Yeah. Yeah, wicked guy. <laughs> <laughs> when did you get into me? Has it literally been something that you've done always? Yeah, I literally cannot remember a point where I was like, 
do you know what? I might give singing a go. It's just like <laughs> always been there. I've got videos on my old laptop somewhere of me. I think I must have been four or five and my dad had set up a camera in the living room and I could see myself on the telly. What? So I was pretending <laughs> I was a superstar and I was just like singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and being weird. And um, Please tell me this is somewhere to watch on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I actually messaged him the other week to... S- um, to ask if we'll be able to get those videos back because oh, I do want to wow. post them. They're quite cute. Make a cool <laughs> if I do music say video, so myself. You know, have that at the start and then have you come in. Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> Told you a rapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you weren't pushed into it at any stage. You weren't like, you're going to be a singer and make us no. loads of money. <laughs> no, I think it was mostly my papa's influence because he right. is a was was a brilliant singer and um. To the extent, um, did he go and perform at places as well? or No, not really. Um, at his funeral, actually, um, one of his colleagues spontaneously decided to go up and tell us a few things about him that we'd never known before. And he mm. told us this story about um, when they'd gone to see an Elvis tribute act with the rest of the lads that they worked with. And um, my papa had somehow charmed his way into being allowed to go up first and have a go at singing. And then um, after he was done, everyone was just cheering for him to stay on what? and booing the other guy, booing <laughs> the Elvis guys. <laughs> the poor old other guy. I know. <laughs> but I, I didn't know that, so it was nice to hear that. That's <laughs> so sweet. And yeah. I just, I love the way you talk about your papa, because you've got such a nice relationship there. And yeah. it's love that you uh, you shared your passion together through such a long time. Like, Can you talk about that experience you had with him and how much influence that's had in your music yeah it's just like well he sort of was the one that made me want to write songs because um whenever we watched a film or read a book together because he always used to be reading me stories when I was little as well we'd always make up little songs about the story we were watching we had one about the lion the witch and the wardrobe that was like we don't like Edmund, we don't like Edmund, <laughs> we don't like Edmund, because he's a little traitor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, he wrote, he wrote I, me I, a I little like lullaby as well, yeah. <laughs> every night, we used to go and stay at um, my nonna and papa's house, every other weekend maybe, and um, every night before bed, my nonna would come up and um, she'd tuck me in, took the duvet under me and stroked my face for a minute and then she'd go and get Papa and send him up and he'd um, tell me a story and then sing me a lullaby Mm. that he'd made up for me and then he'd always um, leave the room and then go to the other side of the wall that was like on the stairs and um, knocked me and I'd knock back and then that (laughs) was good (laughs) night. I love these little rituals. Yeah. (laughs) Me and my grandma were really close. I never, we didn't, she she liked to make me draw a lot of the time and we'd always play this game where you draw a squig, have you played this game? You draw like a squiggle and then I've got to turn that into a picture. No, I've never played that. I promise you, get home, play it with your sister, play it with your mum draw a random squiggle and then you get a different colour pen and I've got to turn that into something that looks like it. <laughs> but I found a cheat for that game because she's got fluffy hair, like it's like wild. So I just like scribble everywhere, then draw a little iron nose and be like, it's better. It's always her. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, funny. Bit naughty. Yeah. <laughs> we always used to draw a picture on each other's back and try and guess what it was. That's a good game too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like I know enough about you in other avenues of your life. And what else? So, do you have like a lot of other f- interests and things that you are into? Because, um, not many. <laughs> I like sewing. I make clothes sometimes. I haven't done that in ages, though. I've got a sewing machine on my side, but it's been neglected for a while. I must say. <laughs> um, what else like do I like? I've seen oh, you like yeah. moons. Oh, I do like the moon. Tell yes. me about the moons. I want to um, know more about the moons. The, uh, and I put an S on that. So, yeah, <laughs> that, I only knew there was one. Really? More or less, yeah. I'm I mean, there's only one for our planet. Of course, yeah. I mean, I am being a bit daft there. Like, <laughs> there's <laughs> probably infinite moons. But, yeah, <laughs> tell... Do, are you quite into astrology, then? Um, I've not had an astrologist on here yet. <laughs> not hugely. I don't really know much about anything. It kind of relates to my papa again, mm. the reason why I love the moon so much. It, um, When I was younger, 
whenever we drive from wherever to wherever, A to B, mm. I always used to ask how come we could see it from the first place and the last place. I thought, surely we must be driving away from it. And he used to say it was following us home to make sure we got home safe. <laughs> and then also, since I broke up with my ex, I've been trying to become a better person. Mm. And... Um, I find the sky, like sunsets and when there's a really pretty moon or whatever, a way to live in the moment mm. and just appreciate what's in front of you right then and there rather than thinking about anything that's happened in the past or anything that you're worried about in the future. That is... Right, every time this podcast happens, I've had so many awesome people on here and they give me a moment of clarity. <laughs> <laughs> or just sort of, and I, I need to write an affirmation down that you've just said, but that, to like... Because being in the moment is quite a thrown around statement, isn't it? Like yeah. in spirituality and a lot of people, it's like live in the moment. And that's, uh, it, it, uh, there's a word for it. It's like vacuous where you're like, yeah, I know what that means, but I don't actually know how to live it. But something as simple as like looking at the moon and letting that reset yourself and or the sun or, or just truly having something visual to look at and be like, oh yeah, that's the moment. I know. I've I'll always tried that. to, I've got all the special moons and the full moons in my diary as well. I always, well, I suppose we're in a lockdown now, so we can't, but usually <laughs> I try and arrange gatherings to go and look <laughs> at it so we can all be together and be in the moment together, but it usually falls through. We tried to do that around, I think it was when I'd signed my deal and we, we all went out to celebrate mm, mm. and there was meant to be a full moon that night and I was trying to get us all to go I somewhere to look at it. There, yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> so we were just like, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was reflecting back to that night in my head. I was like, that was one monster mad night. It was all <laughs> over the place. My birthday you was, was worse. wasted, <laughs> man. I've got to be honest. You were on some next level. I'm sorry, no, no. <laughs> yes. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> You went here, hero to zero. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? I've run into a few people since my birthday night out <laughs> that have just been Saying like, I saw you that night. I saw how crazy you were being. And I've been told a few stories about myself that I can't remember as well. And going back, a little reflection back, what you mentioned there. And I do. I want to get back to your granddad at some point. Because, again, that connection that you've got seems to be so strong. And... I love hearing stories of that in people because there's always that one mentor, that one person where you're like, you did everything for me or you taught me so much. Yeah. But you want to better yourself, you said, and that come primarily from being in a breakup. Me and uh, Joey Collins, who was on the other day, have such, we're so similar. You wouldn't believe it. Like everything we talk about, we're like, mate, we were split at birth or something weird's gone I on I know, here. do you know what? I went on a night out with him just before the lockdown and he was saying the same thing to me about you. Mm. <laughs> it was weird. We have like an epiphany moment where I'm like, there's something wrong God on here. We're living like parallel lives. <laughs> I'm just a little bit chubbier and that's all <laughs> there is to it. Yeah. <laughs> but the breakup was a moment that we really um, managed to connect on because I went wild after my first proper breakup like first that was where it all began the poetry I never touched music until I was 22 like never I kept I don't know if you know much about my story but I got kicked out of school I had a horrible time with bullying lots of things so instead of going down a career path or anything I just went traveling for a few years I went to like Australia for a year and oh wow no I never knew uh, yes, this about I, I did you. South Africa I lived on a primate sanctuary looking after monkeys and I, I had a bit of a wild time and I did a lot of learning in that as you would like when you go traveling and when you go on a different route that isn't the norm but the real actual learning all come from a breakup yeah. it really did and I'm somebody that, sorry, just move that wine over. <laughs> I'm somebody that puts all my energy in people. And I didn't have the greatest, like, parenting, to be totally real. I've, we've got a lovely place we live on, but they're always a byproduct. So, you know, if you live on a, a big farm, that means there's a lot of work gone into it. Yeah. A lot of work means there's not much time to spend with a family. So you know not a soft story but that's just the truth of my childhood yeah so I didn't have much of a mothering figure in my life so then when I got like and I'm not saying I want my girlfriend to be my mum <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying like when somebody for the first time in my life give me like energy that they were like oh 
I love you and I want to be like with you. Like that nurturing side. Yeah, they, I felt like somebody actually wanted me for the probably like first time apart from me nan. I'm a bit of a nan kid. <laughs> but it was another experience where I was like, ooh, I'll put everything into you. And I've, I've got a girl on my chest. I've got a girl's name on oh there. Oh, no. And I've, had <laughs> I've to never g- noticed <laughs> that I don't think you've seen me naked yet. <laughs> but but I've, I've, I've had to, br- like, break a girl's heart before. Never, uh, not had it done until this time in South Africa. And I've been with a girl for, again, about a year. And I thought, I'm indestructible. I can't be hurt. I'm all like, go, go, go. But first time I was like, oh, I love you. And we just spent all the time together. The emotions went really high. And the moment she decided not to be with me, I can't actually tell you, like, the, the bottomless, vacuous pit it put me in. Aww. And it was more more than, like, when somebody dies, it's horrible and harrowing. But they've not chosen not to be with you. Yeah, you it's know? still grief. It's still that grief. But then there's an extra element of they didn't want me. Or they've mm. chosen to leave me somebody goes through an illness that at the eventually they pass away to there's a, f- a finality behind it there's like a moment of even clarity you're like okay that's what mother nature does that's what happens that's life yeah as soon as somebody goes it's you it's something to do with your character do you know what i mean like i took it on so hard yeah did you go through similar emotions or do boys and girls go like quite differently through their emotions as well like I think, I think they d- well usually in a breakup when it's a mutual thing, I generally hear that the girl suffers first mm. and then gradually gets over it. And by the time she's over it, the guys, the guys already had his period where he was fine, and then it hits him a few yeah, months later, okay. and he was like, "Oh my god, I miss <laughs> it." But that's not how it was for me with my breakup. It was more um, we'd been together for like. A year and a half, maybe. Mm. And um, he was my everything. I was so devoted to him when we were together. Like, I didn't even really look at or think about anyone else. Mm. Like, it just... Not because I thought that was a wrong thing to do. More just because I didn't. I really loved him. He was the person on my mind. And, um, and then, after about, like, halfway into it, things just changed. And, um... I started getting really insecure and he got emotionally abusive, basically. I've been starting for half an hour already. We're, we're back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, where was I? Lost my train. I don't want to say the word, but you were in the, you were involved in a very abu- like emotionally, emotionally that's abusive. That's where I was. That's yeah, where I was. Why cut out at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. We predicted it. Um, but yeah. Um, and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I kept telling him that something needed to change or we weren't going to work. And I think he was kind of fed up with me constantly saying things like that to him. He felt like I was nagging him. But I, it just was like he didn't care about me. He didn't care about my feelings. And um, I'd try and approach him about the things that were upsetting me in a way that we could just talk about nicely and then leave feeling happier but instead Mm. he'd always get really defensive and it'd blow up into a massive argument and he used to do things that he knew I weren't I wasn't okay with and um knowing that it would upset me Mm. and I'd probably given him about a hundred last chances Mm -hmm. and then eventually it just sort of lost its meaning I Mm. think he just knew that I was never gonna walk away so he just didn't even bother trying to change Mm. so then I had to actually walk away so you you end up making the decision yeah but then the pathetic thing is even after I'd broken up with him I was still basically saying if you can prove to me that things can change then we can get back together so Mm. there was like a little period where um he was doing all these lovely things for me because he was apparently desperate to get me back Mm. Um, but then that whole time he was seeing someone else anyway, oh, no. so... <laughs> yeah. And that's when I went psycho. I yeah. went really crazy <laughs> and then I didn't recognise myself at all. Like, and I don't mean in a summary, but like, can you talk about like your transformation after that then? Yeah. And even the before you and the after you, if you and you now 
looking back at the before you, would you have a very different conversation to have to yourself? Yeah, well, to be fair, I don't think the me that was in the relationship with him would have listened because, like, a lot of my <coughs> friends had been telling me that I needed to leave him, really. Mm. I needed to walk away, but I wasn't... It wa- I wasn't going to do it until I was ready. There mm. was Because no, I just was so... I just really wanted it to work. I loved him so much. I just was forever hopeful that it was going to go back to how it was in mm. the beginning. And, um... Wait, what was the question? So the before you, so after the transformation period as well, like sort of things that you'd learn. Oh yeah, from it. the things I would say to myself. Um, well, I'm I've been trying to learn to build boundaries mm-hmm. because I've always been a massive pushover and a people pleaser, and it's gotten me into some really dodgy situations <laughs> that I shouldn't have been in. It's it's led to people walking all over me mm. and treating me like shit and thinking that's okay. And it's also led to me ending up hurting other people's mm. feelings because I've gone along, along with things yeah. that I didn't want to go along with just because I really want whoever it is to be my best mate, basically. That is one of the hardest. I haven't mastered that yet, I can be honest. And yeah. say, like just wanting to please people and then just nod and be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Of course I'll do that free film for you where I've got to come and give all my time and do all that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm there. And then at the end of the day, you've got no pocket and then you've got no money. Or uh, That's a very small um, analogy to what you're saying. But there's so many times where I just put myself in the dodgy situation and yeah. gone, oh, Mikey, you're better than that. I know, yeah. <laughs> Stand up for yourself. I've definitely gotten... I think I've gotten a lot better. Like, um, there was a guy that I was seeing at one point uh, a while ago, a few months ago, um, that um, I ended up ending things with because of one little thing. I think I've gone so far trying to push myself (laughs) to not just accept things and ignore the red flags and everything um, that now just the littlest thing will completely turn me off. You've got kind of a spiritual side to you from my feeling of when we've conversated and had kind of like intimate chats together. I've always loved, and it comes across in your lyrics. You've got like the most beautiful, we spoke about it before, like imagery based in your lyrics. I do try. You do, <laughs> it's honest. You've got the <laughs> the most incredible, if you've not checked out Chloe's music, where can they see it like is chloe um there's a few videos on my facebook page i haven't like i said earlier i haven't got anything released yet but i will have within the next couple of months hopefully the lyrics are for me anyway as a lyricist i just love them and i thought like listening and i know maybe it helps because i know you well as well so i i can hear the stories you're talking about or really uh picked you in that situation and feel that i love that about music because um Whenever someone's wrote, written about something that is really important to them and they really feel, if you really listen to the lyrics and try and figure them out, when you're listening to a song, it's like they're taking you on a time like time travelling back to how they felt in that moment mm. when you listen to the song. And that like conscious side that you've got, you're so young, aren't you? How old, do you mind saying how old you are? Like I'm 42. 42. I'm 21. <laughs> <laughs> it's the conscious side you've got that shocked me when we had a chat i thought i'd come over to you and be a little bit like hey up and we'd have like a very base chat and from that off we had like a really deep chat is this the really deep chat from the night of the old farm bus that i can't remember it was was really yeah it was either the old (laughs) farm bus but even meeting you on the film shoot i did with concrete rose we clicked straight away we we, we clicked but then we like started talking about some deep stuff that i wasn't ready for i was like (laughs) oh yeah i feel that way too like (laughs) good point and we we just had a good chat and i wondered if that was something that's always been present in your life so you you like been a bit of a deep thinker at school or people were like why you think so much or yeah, definitely. <laughs> you're somebody that's always got a smile on their face, or <laughs> just like your friend said to you today, I just need some sunshine in my life. Is that a lot of expectation on you then? Um, no, it's not, to be honest. Like, I think I've got a really great group of friends that will, don't expect you to pretend to be anything you're not. Mm. I've, 
I deliberately spend time with those kinds of people. Mm. So I don't really feel like there's you any pressure on me at all. You literally have the best friendship circle of all time. I literally do, don't you I? Have to Including work you oh, and saying? Chrissy. You know what you're saying. <laughs> but how have you all just met through music or? Actually, funnily enough, I met them through the ex-boyfriend that we were just talking about. And a but ago. that was music in its essence, wasn't it? Is it? Yeah, part of the band? actually, do you know what? The reason that I met any everyone was because I saw Loop Cycle. Shout out to Loop Cycle. He's yeah. amazing. Um, <laughs> I saw him play at Jam Cafe, mm-hmm. and um, I really wanted my dad to hear him. So I asked him when his next gig was, and it was at the Maze, mm. um, oh, at, at an Imara gig. Shout out to Imara as well. Oh, um, you're making me all nostalgic here <laughs> talking about the Maze. I know. And then that, I basically met the Maze crowd. So, would um, you say you're a Nottingham head? If people asked where you're from and where your music scene is, would you say it's Nottingham? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've only just started playing in other places, mm. so. Definitely. That's where your heart lies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> th- I've done a few music scenes and literally just going and watching music, in fact, it wasn't performing. But Nottingham has it right. In my eyes, I've been everywhere and how inclusive it is. I don't know if you felt that as soon as you went into Nottingham, especially with the maze. But everybody was just like, should we collaborate? Should we have a vibe? Like, c- let's have a party. Let's meet each other. I've had the best nights of my life in Nottingham and it yeah. came quite later on. I went to other places first to check out what's going on and as soon as I hit, hit Nottingham, it was like, yeah, I'm home. <laughs> this is where I want to be. I know, <laughs> I love it here because like, there's just different things going on everywhere but you're welcome pretty much everywhere. <laughs> Basically, well, I don't know if it's just the people that I've run into i've I've just been really lucky but it's it's the vibe in nottingham (laughs) it's just really accepting isn't it and then when i go to london i feel really kind of uncomfortable everywhere Mm. i go i feel like everyone's just looking down their nose at me a little bit and i can't really connect with anyone good conversations you've brought up there to be honest because with alex who's in ferocious dog and your old band sorry (laughs) lovely (laughs) um uh he's been on and joey collins has been on and we were just on about different scenes a little bit. And London has only got a bad rep in, like, my stories because I've had bad gigs there. Yeah. I've had, like, times where I felt that, where they're looking down your nose a little bit. They're just, like, looking at the clock, like, are you coming off yet? And nobody's really listening until it's their go. Yeah. Is that your experience in there? Mostly, yeah. Not even just at gigs. Like, anytime I go down to the pub or anything, mm. it's just, I feel like everyone's in their own bubbles and they don't want it's just go 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 in. isn't it it's yeah. just full on go 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 it, i think it just feels a bit too posh for me as well even the bits that aren't very posh like camden where i go i just like my my label really want me to move to london mm. so that i can work more and stuff but i just mm. don't think i could live there do you think that's what it takes to be an artist then really like if you're gonna be to the level I'm presuming you want to get to which is like global uh, is that do you have to tackle the big cities do you have to go and do all that or do you think you could actually have a successful career in doing the nicer smaller like closer areas I think it's possible to get there in the smaller scenes Mm. like Nottingham but I also do think it's a bit of an illusion like when someone's like there's people in Nottingham that everyone's heard of like Mm. Motormouth and like Harley Blue and everyone Mm -hmm. like and they're amazing um but then you go to another city and there might not be anyone there Mm. that have heard have heard of them so like I don't know I do think going to bigger cities will probably help a lot but I do think it's possible like depending on the kind of PR you're doing and everything how much effort you're putting in (laughs) it's just because I'm so far removed from that I've never been in the music scene in that way I've sort of I'm a poet and I've got a different angle I'm happy to not perform now actually I've got a new lyric in a song that said uh can I perform it (laughs) no and uh I used to perform every night every day but after I purged what I needed to say I recluse back home where I wanted to be I'm fighting from the back. I don't need to be seen to be heard. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> You're going to cry. Are you babe? <laughs> <laughs> but for me, that was one of them lyrics I wrote where I was like, oh, 
that's what I wanted to say because I'm really happy now. Like I've got the, my family might be starting up or these new elements in my life, and I've I've decided me as an artist, I, I want a different scope than I wanted before. I'm not after like performing all over the world, but I've got so many great friends like Unknown Era, like Concrete Rose, yourself, Motormat, all these people that are looking for that and do want to keep performing and going out and broadening their career and broadening their horizon and I don't know what that takes because I've never been on that quest so it's just such an interesting path yeah and what is the music scene like what is your angle where are you, where do you want to be in 10 years time really well I'd be happy as long as I can comfortably get by mm. um I would like to play some bigger gigs but I also, I don't think I'd want to be so famous that, um, like, people know who you are wherever you go at mm. the same time. But I'd definitely like to be able to earn a decent amount of money so I can help people out when they need help. And I don't have to count up the price as I'm going <laughs> along when I'm putting things in my basket. <laughs> and I was talking about that the other day to Lewis. We were just on the phone chatting. And we're just like, can you remember when we went to like Lidl and we're like substituting things out of the basket so we can afford it? We're like, well, if I don't have a pepper army, I can get a milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Like, oh, so this is the life of all musicians. It's not just us. <laughs> <laughs> if you can chuck things in your trolley without having to yeah. add up how much money you're spending, you're lucky. You're doing I'll well. I'll tell you what, that, you see... You don't look at Russell Brand, you don't look at all these people that I've needed to find my spirituality from, but you have got it ingrained in you, because that, that's <laughs> a lot of wisdom. I'm 27, and I don't think I've a, a full article ever. I think I've got learning to do all the time. But I didn't have that sort of mind at 21. I was, like, just running around trying to have sex with <laughs> everything, eat everything I could, just consume, and just be daft as anything. So I, I love that perspective. I really do, like... To get by with enough doing your passion. Like, that seems like such an yeah. easy thing to get a grasp of. But there's so many people that just want more and more and looking for the next best thing or the next big thing. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I'm so lucky that um, all I do at the minute is music. Mm. Um, obviously not right now because we're in a lockdown and no <laughs> one can do anything. But generally, all I do really is go to London work on the music right. that I love, yeah. come home and spend all my time that seeing my friends. honour. That is such an honour. I'm, I'm so happy for you that you do have that. Because, you know... Thank you. You have people that are jealous. You have people in life that don't want that for people. We should all be wanting everybody to be a winner. Do you know, like, yeah. America have got, let's make America great again. They want winners and losers. They want there to be a, a higher class all the time. Let's just have everybody winning. Let's vouch for the winners and oh, surely so good. the best possible outcome for us is for everybody to be doing their passions pursuing their love and getting enough to survive in that yeah it almost makes me feel a little bit guilty that i can do that that i'm basically doing what i'm passionate about mm. all the time because some of my closest friends have like nine till five jobs five days a week and um they're spending all their time doing things that they don't like and mm. then they're getting less than half of their time to spend doing what they're actually what they actually want to yeah, do. Yeah. And if you think about how short life, life yeah, is yeah, you're spending agree. more than half of your time awake doing something <laughs> you don't like and I, it just I, breaks my heart. I tell you what, like saying and again, you feeling guilty there. I feel that's conditioning and that's what society wants is for people that are winning, which is a small percentage, doing what you love. They want you to feel guilty. They want you to feel like this feeling where, oh, no, you should be grafting like the rest of us. You should be struggling and doing nine to fives. But no, no, you've got it wrong. We should all be doing that pl pleasurable thing we want. I've got friends at the minute that have done them jobs that you talk about, uh, like shitty jobs they hate and talk about how much they hate it and it drives them depressed. They get all these sour feelings towards it and they've just lost them jobs mm. during the time of COVID. And it's like, man, they were going to do that for 50 years plus, get to a stage and then look back and go, oh, bollocks, I wish I hadn't wasted my life. I really hope now, and uh, this is a plea to anybody that does that, <laughs> like... <laughs> See this time now as a, a re-evaluation of society. 
Like, you don't have to do them shitty jobs. Really, like, we're in a new age. We're in a new time where you can have a minute to think about what do I want to do? What do I want to be? Do some soul searching. And if, and if you can, like, uh, again, if you, in this time, if you lose a job, like I used to pack chocolates, if you lose a job like that, then imagine you've wasted all your time in something that you don't like and you've, all, you've even lost that. Do you know what? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. why waste your time? I know. I mean, it's easier said than done in a mm. lot of ways because, like, it's hard. Like, you know, Charlie, um, mm. luckily, he's just got a pay rise, so I think he'll be a bit better off now. But before Christmas, he was really, really struggling financially um, and he wasn't happy at work. He's a mechanic. Mm. And... um. But he couldn't do anything about it because in that industry, you have to work a month in advance. Like if you start working at a new place before Mm. you get paid. So you go in like two months before you get paid. Mm. And if he did that, he wouldn't have enough money to pay all of his bills. Mm. So he was just a bit stuck. And uh, have you done these shit? Have you have you had the shittiest job? I used to work at Matalan. There you go. You've had. (laughs) But while you were doing that, I'm sure you were building up the future you're planning and i hope like charlie again i know he's into engineering and things like that i hope he's planning his steps even though they're in them situations that it's like yeah but this isn't the end goal it can be i think we're in a time now where we're spinning plates like my grandma and granddad you'd have one job for 50 years and that was it that's what you did that's how you like did it and now it's like people are online and they're trying to be motivational speakers podcasters singers anything and you can have plates spinning you don't have to be all or nothing and yeah I, I think that's a good attitude to try and withhold <laughs> i know you reminded me of the b movie then when you were on about um <laughs> <laughs> tell me about the b movie i've not seen it but just when you were talking about having a one job for the rest of your life because that's oh just God, that's the, a bit where they have to choose a job and they make it sound really appealing when like you're going to do this every day, forever. <laughs> I've just downloaded at the minute a uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> and fuck me, like, <laughs> the amount of morals and messages in Disney. Uh, this is why I'm a deep thinker. <laughs> it's because I was bought, look, look at me, I've got daft tattoos all over me, and blue the bear here, and oh, my, nice. <laughs> Rafiki down here. And it's because I, as a child, was engrossed in it. And again, it was probably just the pretty pictures and seeing Simba running around and doing his thing. But deep down, I was like, there's something being told to me here there's something yeah. important a lot recently a lot of it's gotten a lot better but you know like the old disney princess films yeah that's true i remember all i really learned from them when i was younger was to be scared of ugly people because <laughs> like all the goodies are really pretty <laughs> and attractive problem with that <laughs> <laughs> i remember being at school when i was like in year one and there were a group of year sixes that were mm. like looking after us i remember thinking they were so massive like, which is weird like an 11 year old child but you're six and you're looking up at them like oh my god <laughs> you're so big and grown up That's and there were these um like the pretty ones they all wanted to hug me yeah and there was one girl who i didn't think i feel bad saying that but i didn't think she was pretty and mm. she asked me for a hug and i was too scared <laughs> that is so bad hey, I, I, I tell you what i've not actually thought of it in that way but there is all the villains are really yeah. like crooked looking with big warts on the noses and yeah double chins yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what another one that shook me up yesterday and i'm not taking this lightly pinocchio absolutely rocked me me and chrissy were like okay we did that film that i showed you we've made that film it was a lot of my mind space being taken up we'd done a long day and i was like i need to chill out i'm I'm gonna go and put disney on and relax i was like oh pinocchio lots of lovely songs in there you got no strings to hold me. I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> I, love that song. I can, I can vibe with that. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket, he's a good guy. Let's get oh, in. Oh, I had a teddy that I called Conscience because of that ah, cricket. See, and again, I was like, okay, there's nice messages in here, but fuck, I we got into it, and I promise you, we got like 30 minutes in, and it all just unfolded that it was all. It's like about pedophilia and human trafficking. And is it? And I, uh, I need to watch well, this again. And me and Chrissy was watching it, and we were like, right, let's. I suppose there, there is they start to become donkeys or something, yeah, don't they? Or the kids? Yeah, but we, right. Th- here's this scene. Here's this scene. There's the guy, a big like barely bloke, scary old, the, the the stereotypical or archetypal 
paedophile man. <laughs> right. <laughs> You've got him in your head. You picture anything you want, but you can picture it in Disney. And then he's in this room, and they're, like, trying to make a deal. The, I, I'm fine by saying this, because you can go and watch it yourselves. <laughs> this is real. Um, and then they're all talking, and they're, like, trying to buy Pinocchio. And they're, like, and the guy goes, oh, he's not worth money. And they're like, oh, what do you want? And then he whispers in this guy's ear. And then he goes, and they never come back as boys. And then he does this evil laugh, I swear down, and they take the boys, all these boys, to Pleasure Island. Oh, my God. This is in the film. And then me and Chrissy was like, I need to stop it. And then we typed it in on the internet. We're like, what's uh, Pokemon? (laughs) What's Pinocchio (laughs) about? And there was a full-on, like, look down Google. It's the first searches. And it's all there. It's like, you would... Oh, it oh my the God. shit out of me. I and never then, thought about that before. And then we couldn't I haven't watched it since I was I, little. I couldn't watch it. And then I like watched a few YouTube clips just to see the don- the boys that are turning to donkeys. And it's just too dark. Like, there's this, again, scene, that scary old paedophile man. He, like, grabs the boy and he goes, what's your name? And the guy's like, Jimmy. And he goes, you'll do. And he throws him in a cage. A genuine. I never knew the that podcast was going to get here, but I oh just needed to say, like, me. Disney isn't all like sunshines and rainbows. It can, so. I mean, it can be quite scary. I remember being terrified watching a lot of the Disney <laughs> films when I was younger. And can I just say as well, it's been on my mind. I said that I was scared of ugly people. That's not how I think anymore. And I don't think the way someone looks is what makes them ugly. That's how I think now. Again, like. <laughs> I was listening to this on a podcast yesterday that really, like, they just get people on and they talk uh, social norms and things like that, and it's it's a cool podcast. But they were talking about Adele recently has, like, gone slim. Have you seen that? Yeah, I shared something the other day that was about how people are celebrating the fact that she's lost weight more than the fact that she's won 15 Grammys and everything. Again, it, it's a thing I'm conflicted in. So it's a conversation I want to have with more friends and family and people because I just learn from conversating. I don't really learn from just switching into people and being like, that's what I think. Uh, I want to conversate to people. But it's an interesting thing, like s- society's norms and what we see as beautiful and what we see as lots of conditioning things as children growing up. Because there is a thing that people... I know everyone's got their own different vision of beauty, yeah and then but there is like a capped level of like this is what beauty is and this is under it like what why do you think we've grown that where do you think do you think there is just something that humans because evolutionary speaking we want to appeal to one another and therefore by appealing to one another we want to like make our bodies not obese so that's not showing signs of like unhealthy signs or anything like that we want to have no like blemishes on the skin that shows unhealthy. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm interested where this has come from. And I don't think seeing people as beautiful and not so beautiful and having levels like that, it's not unhealthy because we're human. Like your most basic instinct to be attracted to people and then the people that you're not so attracted to as well. But um, I guess it come like, if you take it down to a really basic level, it just comes from... Who would, <laughs> who would be a good par- parent? Basically, what I'm saying, like, I hate nasty people. I don't like people that bully, like, because I had so much bullying in my life. But I don't mind people being real. And that's, like, a very fine balance that we're getting into nowadays where I think it's okay and acceptable to say somebody's not attractive. But because of the PC culture that we've brought in and, like, lots of people say, oh, you can't say this, you can't say that, and like young culture like a lot of people police too much and i'm sorry (laughs) and i hope that makes sense in terms of it's a balancing act that we've got now like we we don't want to police our words too much we don't want to like overthink like oh i hope i haven't said that to offend somebody or do this wrong yeah i think the only thing with that is like everyone beauty is in the eye of the beholder mm, there mm. isn't um like one man's trash is another man's treasure that mm. kind of thing <laughs> like <laughs> if someone you find <laughs> not very analogy. attractive like i might think is really mm. beautiful mm. so um to say that as like a 
as though it's a fact that someone isn't attractive. Mm. I think that is probably... And also, if you were that person that someone's trying to say is a fact mm, that mm, you're mm, not attractive, mm. that would hurt their feelings and it's not really That's something necessary. I'm going to delve that. So on that, just that front of Adele and obesity to not, like, she seems to be vilified now for doing something amazing, that she's lost lots of weight and everyone's like, oh, she was better before or she was, uh, or she was a, a spokeswoman for fat people, a lot of people were saying. It's like, well, she's just turned herself healthy. She shouldn't be vilified for that either. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of split because also a lot of people are praising her mm. for it and acting as though she wasn't anything special before she was skinny. So it's Th- there has been a lot of Adele. Everyone just here. always has too much to God, say. Why are we like just this? leave her <laughs> to it? <laughs> <laughs> I do. This is why I love podcasts as well, though, because I'm learning on the spot. That's the best thing. I'm like, I feel this way, and then you say something. I'm, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Chloe, I, I've, I've, we have been doing an hour, which is just phenomenal. That has gone I, so I, quickly. I really didn't expect that. <laughs> And I do want you on so many more of these because I, I, when it's all back to normal, I want to catch up with your progress and where you're at and oh, what you're doing. <laughs> do you have a bit of a step-by-step plan at the minute of what next and how you're going to cope with it all? Um, well, we're just trying to gather everything we have to try and still be able to release my music mm. whilst we might still be in the lockdown. Um might end up having to do some socially distant video shoots or something like that i don't know um but i don't really have the plan it's my label and the pr company mm, that are mm. sort of i don't know what i'd do without them honestly <laughs> like i see molly ralph and she sort of she's been signed by a management company now i think but before that she was just arranging everything herself and i wouldn't mm. know where to start honestly i'm the worst i have like <laughs> I just, when I think about trying to organise things, my brain just goes, no, don't do it, don't do I it to me. I can't believe you've not got anything out yet. Like, I know, genuinely. it's taken me so long. What, like, uh, just before we, like, wrap it up, why do you think that is? Because, sorry, I'm, I'm catching my breath here. <laughs> like, I'm somebody, when I started creating, I was like, bosh, as you know, like, I'm like, bosh, <laughs> I just love it, I want to just get it out there, move on, do, but... Are you a perfectionist or do you just... I think it's partly because I haven't been organised enough, Mm. um, especially before I was signed. And now I think it's, yeah, because we've been trying to make sure everything's perfect. Mm. But it shouldn't be too much longer, like you've heard the track. But even before signing, so when you were just your own entity, was the stuff out there and then you've got rid of it and now you've got your PR company or have you just never put stuff out, ever? Um, I mean, I've recorded my songs and like posted them online, but I've never put it out officially released wow, wow. anything as of yet. Amazing! It's atrocious, really. Do you have a the uh, Do you know the album name that, or the, is it an EP you're bringing out? Or? Well, mm. first we're we're doing four singles. Nice. Um, yeah, probably like five weeks apart or something. It's and my then favorite I'm not sure song. One of them. Which one's your favorite? The Loopy Questy Journey one. Oh, no, no, no. We haven't recorded that one properly okay. yet. I Because I haven't finished writing it. Right. I? <laughs> <laughs> when is the song ever done? <laughs> I know. I do love that song. <laughs> right. Well, Chloe, I know you've got places to be, like your house, <laughs> jamming, watching. <laughs> My front room. Yeah. <laughs> watching Friends. Is it Friends that you're into? New Girl. New I do girl. like Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Vampire Diaries. I think we've got a lot, uh, we've touched base on many a thing, but I think we've got a lot that we could delve into deep. Uh, yeah. I want to dive into your lyrics at some point. Maybe we'll just chat about this after. <laughs> because that's, um, unless you want to talk about it now. I don't mind. Do you yeah, know? I, I, I don't want to, I always feel doing this like I'm taking people's time up. No, I've <laughs> literally got nowhere to be. I can talk for as long as you want. Let's have a little bit in it then. Like, lyrics, because I do love your lyrics. I, it, it's probably, you're one of my favourite artists for lyrics. You made me cry in that corner. Oh, like, did I? <laughs> your session. Like, that, sometimes, like, you say, oh, I struggle to talk, or I struggle to, I've, I think we've had this chat when you were drunk, maybe, so maybe you do, yeah. you find it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had the chat before, and you're like, yeah, sometimes I find it hard to come outside of myself. But when you're doing your music, you're just the full version of you to me, like, <laughs> and the the real conscious stuff comes out. So that's where I see it. 
Yeah. How just, the hell do you write the way you write? <laughs> I guess. Well, I did. I did. Po- I did um, English literature mm. um, at A level, and um, part of that was poetry. So we had to analyse all these anthologies. Do you have any favourite poets? Um, you. <laughs> You're my favourite poet. <laughs> <laughs> that is all I've ever wanted in life. <laughs> and have you got any old schoolies as well? Have you gonna? To be honest, I'm rubbish with names. Yeah, I can't I remember am. any of I the am. names. And I, do you know what the worst thing is? Like being a poet, people are like, "Oh, what?" Do you, you go to a poetry night and they talk about all these old yeah. school poets, and you're like, "The hardest oh, ones." Down here, the hardest one that we ever had to um, analyze was Chaucer. I don't know mm, if you've read mm, any of his. I know Chaucer. It's like, it's <laughs> like reading another language. Honestly, it doesn't feel like English at all. It felt like we were being taught did, another language. Did you enjoy it at school poetry? Yeah, I really liked it. I always used to love finding like the hidden meanings mm. in things and um and that's what I've tried to put in my lyrics as mm. well like if anyone ever bothered to try and dissect dissect mm. what I've written I've tried to put things in there that aren't like obvious to in your face yeah that's really interesting because for me I was the very opposite at school I hated poetry with a passion like <laughs> give me a poem and I'd, I've, I've done this and I've thrown it at teachers I've been like no I'm not doing that and when they do that deeper meaning I always like put my hand up like what if they don't mean that <laughs> like, yeah. I'd, I'd just be a bit like I was just annoying I was not a nice student <laughs> at all but now the the one thing I go into schools and try and promote or teach is like you know, if you can get on that side of understanding the artist, seeing where they've come from, because me and Martin Illingworth, who I did a podcast with, we went for a, went to the lakes yeah. uh, to do a gig, and it, um, we'd do teaching together, and that's where uh, oh, who's that really good poet from back in the day? He did a uh, the poem about clouds. I walked upon a cloud. Looked upon a cloud. Oh, it'll come to me and it's a really obvious <laughs> poet name it's like one of the the main guys yeah <laughs> and we went to his house and i went and started i found out he was like into heroin he had like he lived with all these women he was just like the craziest wow. guy ever <laughs> and he's one of these people you think was like just a very like articulately spoken put a tie on sit and write a poem. he was like a badass <laughs> and when i found that out i was like I wonder what all the other poets were doing in them days. So yeah. I'd like look into that world and I was like, oh my God, that's why the lyrics were so like meaningful and deep. They were living lives. And that's what's important in lyric writing a lot of the time. You try and, if you're not living a life, if you're not living experience, it's very hard to come up with like good material. Yeah, definitely. Like I find it really difficult to write about things that I haven't either been through myself or um experience through someone else who mm. I feel that I'm connected to do you know what I mean and do you think you can do that as an artist do you think you've got um poetic license to just write about stories you haven't had or do you think the other way of you should be real you should have only lived that to be able to document it I think there are no rules I think mm. people can just mm. do what they're good at everyone's good at different things I do want to get better about writing about things that I haven't been through because at the minute all my songs are just so emotional I don't really have any um <laughs> any that are just I mean I have a few easy lessons like I've got a love song that's quite um cheery but again <laughs> that was a personal thing of like something I felt myself so mm. it's for me something I only started to venture into I ran out of stories about myself <laughs> so I'd like I, the first poem I ever wrote was uh, about knife crime and it was about a friend that lost his life. Uh, and I discovered that while I was in South Africa. And I got a phone call. And that's what literally got me into writing. That was the whole catalyst. Yeah. I was just doing my silly boy business in other countries. And then <laughs> it was something that grounded me. And I was like, oh, shit. What do I do? And I just started writing as much as I could. And that opened up the door of like, oh, remember that time where you were depressed or you fell out with a girl or all these things and I started writing it all down and after I said it all and I was like I think I've been through all my life now <laughs> I was like shit <laughs> what do, I'm a poet now I've, I've given myself an identity what do I write about so yeah it w- I felt conflicted in can I just write about 
other people and what they've been through. But you definitely can. Yeah, yeah. it was. It, I, I was glad I discovered I could. Yeah, I was <laughs> glad I got to that point of like, yeah, let's just have poetic license and write. Yeah. I want to do a song with you. <laughs> oh, I want to do a song with you as well. <laughs> do you think I don't know why day? I said that in a different uh, because voice. Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> the whole point of being alive is being silly, and that's my quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> too true. Too it's all true. I want to know. <laughs> I will, because I'm going to get in now. I want my din din. I've been ready for this all day. I'm, I'm really glad. Like This is a lovely time to do it. I think when we first came in the bus, a bit too hot. Yeah. It was a bit too sweltering. But what's the time now? It's about going on half seven. Oh, blimey. So we've done all right, haven't we? I'm going to say, if I do podcasts at this time, sunset sunset sessions, what do you think? Oh, my God. Sunset sessions. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> Would you come and do another bus- busking session again as well? I would bloody love in to. The sunset. Yes, please. We'll ride off into it together. <laughs> <laughs> On the horse, he came round a minute ago. Yeah, we had the other day we were doing this, and uh, literally about thirty cows just came and stood there, <laughs> and I was like, "Mid podcast, like cracking up." But and, and yeah, what do you think to that really emotional time that you spent together? <laughs> I'm like, "Fucking cows over there!" Aww. I've had cats come in, and you always hear the cockerel now and then. It's it's it really is the old farm bus. <laughs> yeah, man, I do like it here. So people can catch your social medias at. Chloe Rogers music. So it's not Chloe Ratcliffe Redfern. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. That's an inside joke. That's when Chloe performed this bus. That was how I introduced her. <laughs> On and off the stage, I think, probably. Was it a bit of both? <laughs> like, what have I just done? First person to ever grace the stage and I've just called them the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, though. <laughs> and all in defence, I did go to school with somebody with that name. So it made yeah. sense. Right, let you, you off. <laughs> you know where to find her. Thank you for being a part of this podcast. It's all new to me too. If you want to be involved, please get in touch. The Old Farm Bus, any platform. Big love to you all. It's getting sunny. The corona's on the... It's fucking off. <laughs> Happy days. Big love to you. See you soon. Until next time. Until next time, <laughs> Chloe. Thank you for being here.